You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. We are beginning a brand new series this morning, which I'm very excited about. And uh, we were having this uh, discussion to figure out what we would call the title, and we finally came up with, I believe, will best help to articulate what we want to accomplish this month, uh, and it's called triune, okay, which uh, is a word that defines the trinity. You know, we're thinking about the big three, and, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit, but triune uh, has a message that we want to capture this month when we explore the difference between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. But a couple of things I want to do first and foremost, and uh, before we go on, is uh, we, we want to lift up in prayer uh, uh, <clears throat> Florence, his family. Her sister just passed away. Was it this morning? She just passed away. We got word. Her name was Tony. She was battling a brain tumor. And so we just want to uh, lift up the family and pray for God to extend his hand of mercy and his comfort over them during this time of need. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to approach your throne of grace. And we come, Father, with, with hearts, Father, that are open to you, and hearts, Father, that can be grieved over the loss of a life. And Father, we've prayed, we've, we've battled, but now we know, Father, that Tony has received her ultimate healing. For in your presence, Father, there is no sickness, there is no disease. And we just pray for Florence, Father, and Tony's family, that you administer strength, Father, to Tony's husband and children and, Father, every family member that's affected by this loss. And Father, we know that we don't grieve as the world grieves. For death to the believer is, is really, Father, a step from physical life to divine life. And so we thank you. Father, that assurance and hope that we have in Christ. Father, we pray for this service this morning. We pray for this series as we begin, Father, and launch into this directive that you've given us. Father, we thank you for giving us a spirit of wisdom, for giving us revelation and understanding to the truth of your word so that we can grow, so that we can fulfill, Father, your purpose and your mandate upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, I, I want to mention it's great to have our daughter, Michaela, home with us. She's home on spring break. And so where are you hiding, Michaela? She's back there somewhere. Maybe she's back with the kids or something. But uh, she loves children, and uh, she's a delightful daughter, uh, as, as well as Mackenzie, too. She's delightful. You know, when you brag on one, you got to brag on all of them, parents, you know that, okay? Otherwise, you'll hear about it later. So <coughs> Nathan, he's great. In fact... This is his last Sunday as a single man. And so next Sunday at this time, they'll be preparing and they'll be getting married. And, and all of you are invited. The wedding ceremony is at 3 p.m. right here uh, in this auditorium. And so uh, from after Sunday service, it's going to be transformed, decorated. And so when you come out at 3 o'clock, it'll look a little different. But we will have an amazing celebration, Tracy and Nathan are getting married. And, and they're both part of Refuge. <laughs> they both serve on staff here. Um, and Tracy is a blessing. She serves actually in our nursery and also teaches music at Stevensburg Christian Academy. 
Nathan is a, a fine, he's a media director. I keep forgetting what his title is, but all I know is we keep him very busy around here, okay? So, but uh, it's exciting to see two young people in love and two young people that are going after God with all their hearts and serving his purpose for their lives. And I think that's a, a great answer to mom and dad's prayer. And, and so we're thankful for that. All right. I was going to bring some humor this morning, and I thought maybe some good humor would be um, something relating to the father and the mother of the groom, but I couldn't find anything, so we just have to skip it, you know? <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you one, and then I won't share this during the wedding, um, but uh, there was this one bride that was very, very nervous, and it was just minutes before the wedding, and she's just really nervous, and and so her uh, maid of honor says, you know what? You only have to remember three things. Only three things. The aisle, you're going to walk down that aisle. And the, the altar where the minister and, and your, your groom is up there. So, and then him, because it's all about you and him being married. So that's all you have to remember, those three things, the aisle, the altar, and him. And so in the last few minutes before the ceremony, she's repeating over and over in her mind, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it won't work? Ah, oh, I heard that. She's probably right, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you try. I mean, anyway. So, but what, ladies, you know, if you let God work on them, you know, he, he'll probably do a better job than you. So you say, God, you alter him, you know. He, he needs some alter, alterations, okay. I, I know that in, in our marriage, there's some things that it's just like, we, I never quite get it together in these areas. But I have a very patient wife who puts up with me even though I don't have it all together. And so nobody has it all together, but yet she knows that I'm trying and I'm making an effort. And I think as long as we have that element in our relationships that we're making an effort, then we need to extend grace towards each other. Um, because marriage, I tell you, it's a, it's a challenging thing because it's a refining of, of two people coming together. And, and sometimes we have rough edges that need to be smoothed, smoothed off. I mean, that's the right way to say it. And so there's going to be sparks sometimes. There's going to be conflict. But I believe it's a journey that's exciting. And with God's help, with God's input, I tell you, uh, you can't go wrong. Because he designed marriage. And, and I believe if we follow his instruction, manual, the word of God, uh, we won't fail in our marriages. But even if you do or have failed, God doesn't give up on you. Amen? Because, I, you know, I, some people talk, and I'm, this is not even my sermon this morning, so maybe give me an extra two minutes. Um, you know, so, some people, they, they really have a hard time, and they're very critical and judgmental towards divorced people, and, and the church shouldn't be that way. We should be welcoming to them because they're hurting people like everyone else. And so if you've gone through divorce, guess what? You know, God understands the heartache and the pain of that because he went through it with his own people. The scripture actually says that God divorced Israel. 
because of their rebellion, because of their rejection of him. And so uh, know that, that and, and I, I don't know, maybe that's for somebody that needed to hear that today, but no matter what your state is, what you've been through, God accepts you as you are. And you come to him, and then he will take over and begin to change and transform your life and, and give you what you need to succeed. Now, we will believe and stand fast with you to believe God for you in your marriage if your marriage is hurting because we don't see, in our marriage, we don't even allow the D word to enter our vocabulary. It never has in 23 years of marriage, and it won't because it's not an option for us, and we went into it with that mentality, okay? All right. Well, let's look at the word of God, Matthew 28, verse 19 it says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now you should have received a, a little brochure with this morning's message and with that scripture in there. Uh, this passage we see is significant because it's Jesus' last words before he ascended. And what he addresses here, he addresses the Godhead the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to talk about this month. The word triune, when we look at defining it, it's defined as consisting of three in one. It's used especially in reference to the Trinity. It's consisting of three parts, three members, or three aspects. And as we, in this month, we're going to address our Creator and how He reveals and manifests Himself to humanity. And I believe we're going to get some insight and a greater understanding of that. And this month, as we celebrate the greatest event in Christianity, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we want to focus on the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, understanding the one true God uh, can be confusing in our culture today in light of conflicting ideas uh, and false or misleading information. And so it's my desire to present you the truth of God's word so that we can examine it and take it um, to heart. Now, among, excuse me, although God is one, he manifests himself in three distinct persons, which is commonly known as the Trinity. God is a triune being and has revealed himself in three co-equal and co-eternal persons. So prepare to be engaged with maybe some challenging truth this month that reveals the heart and nature of God so that we can discover his incredible plan for every person, every human being. Now, we could call him the big three. I was debating over that, and I prepared all this stuff, and then we, we changed the title of, this, of the series. But that's okay. Um, because the big three in American society is known as, you know, you think about it, it's the three big automotive manufacturing companies, Chevrolet, Ford, and Chrysler. Now, um, you usually put the first one in, which is your favorite. I like Chevrolet. If you like Ford, I, I will pray for you. No. <laughs> no, and maybe because we just had a bad Ford in our life, you know, one time. I, maybe that's, there's always a lemon, you know what I mean? I, because I've talked to Chevrolet owners that had a, a bad Chevy. But uh, uh, Chrysler, you know, they're pretty decent after their recovery a number of years ago. But we, we have the big three. When it comes to colleges, the big three are known as Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, okay? The big three television networks are what? 
ABC, NBC, and CBS. Not Fox, but you know. Uh, but So those are the big three. Now the big three in the world of Christianity points to a creator who is one God and three distinct persons. Known as the Godhead, one God and three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so each week, the first weeks we're going to talk about, today we'll talk about the Father, and next week the Son, then the Holy Spirit, and then on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about being raised to life. All right. Now, there's a teaching called Trinitarianism. Now, that's a big word for me. Okay. It's the teaching that God is triune, that he has revealed himself in three co-equal and co-equal persons. Now, the Bible teaches that the Father is God and that Jesus is God and that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, so, and the Bible also teaches there's only one God. Now, this is somewhat of a mystery and can be somewhat confusing and it's only because maybe of our limited perspective, we don't see things totally from God's perspective or God's vantage point, okay? So many times we see things and it's a mystery, it's difficult to understand, it's difficult to comprehend, but yet there is this concept that we need to understand when we relate to who God is, okay? Now the doctrine of the Trinity is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are each equally and eternally the one true God. Now, it's admittedly difficult to comprehend, and yet it's the very foundational truth of the Christian church, okay? So it's important to know that. The Trinity is one God existing in three persons. Now, understanding that this is not in any way suggesting three gods, it's interesting to note that the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but yet the concept is. So, uh, Trinity is a term that is used to describe the triune God. Three coexistent, co-eternal persons who make up God. Now, I might sound redundant in some of these things, but I'm saying the same thing maybe in different ways because I really want you to grasp it. I really want you to grab hold of it this morning because there are teachings out there that would conflict and contradict to what we know the truth of the word of God is concerning the subject. Now, we speak of this word and this phrase, if you take notes, you can write this down, triunity. And I'm going to read this for you. I came across this. I think it's well written for me to try to just to narrate it. Uh, I'm not going to do it justice, so I'll just read it. Is that Okay. The teaching of the Bible concerning the Trinity might be summarized thus. God is a triunity, which each person of the Godhead equally and fully and eternally are God. Each is necessary and each is distinct, and yet all are one. The three persons appear in a logical, casual order. The Father is the unseen, omnipresent, source of all being, revealed in and by the Son, experienced in and by the Holy Spirit. The Son proceeds from the Father and the Spirit from the Son. With reference to God's creation, the Father is the thought behind it, the Son is the word calling it forth, and the Spirit is the deed making it a reality. Praise God. I think that, that says it pretty well, okay? And so without 
necessarily being a theologian, that's definitely a textbook uh, answer to describe the Trinity. Now, when we look at the divine mission, and I, I think of it in this terms, and maybe to break it down a little bit simpler for us to understand, uh, when we think about God's divine mission, God, is, God the Father is the one who planned everything. Uh, then Jesus, the Son, is the one who carried it out. He carried out God's plan. And the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals God's plan so that we can understand and comprehend it. So we understand those, the, the different distinct roles of, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that statement. Now, we too, you and I, are a three-part being. So uh, it, it's not uh, any surprise that God is a three-part being. You and I are spirit, soul, and body. I am a spirit. I have a soul, which is my mind, my will, my intellect, and I live in a physical body. I'm a three-part being. And so that makes each of us a trinity in a sense, okay, when we look at it from that standpoint. Now, if we want to use a natural illustration, and this is how I'm teaching my children at a young age to explain the trinity to them, I'd say, okay, I'm one person, but yet I'm a son because I have an earthly father. And in that relationship as a son, there's certain dynamics that go along with that. And then I'm also a father because you are my children. So I'm, I'm a father and I have children. And so that's another role. That's another distinct role. And I'm also a husband because I have a wife. So even though I'm a son, a husband, and a father, I'm still one person. But I have three distinct and different roles. Okay? So that's, that's helped me at least to understand it and also explain it to my children a number of years ago. So now, uh, what is, I want to ask this question. I want you to think about this for just a moment. What is your concept of the Father? Uh, how do you see him or relate to him? You know, when we think of God the Father, uh, what is your concept of who he is? Because your concept might be somewhat uh, affected by how you view your earthly father, and very often it is. How we relate to our natural father is often how we perceive our heavenly father. And so if we had a bad relationship or a, a, a relationship that maybe wasn't up to par with our natural father, very often we can relate to God in the same manner. And, and so that's why some people have a difficult time believing in God because maybe their natural father wasn't a real father to them as they should have been, okay? And so, and we don't want to put condemnation on any father here that has made mistakes because we've all made mistakes in raising our children. But yet, I, you know, when we started having kids, I can remember uh, when Daniel was born, this little redhead, and, and, and I have to tell you a little secret here. Pastor Deb did not like red hair, and uh, all of a sudden he had red, it was red, red, red hair. I mean, it was clearly red. She thought it was blood, and she thought it would rub off or wash off after his birth, but it didn't, it never. But now, I have to now let you know, now she loves red hair. And that's what it took. It took her having a son with red hair for her to love red hair. Now she loves it totally, all right? Okay? And... <clears throat> But I can remember, now, when we were at the hospital, it was great because we had 
the nurses, all these people attending us. But when they gave us that little bundle, that red-headed baby, and we're going home with this red-headed baby, I can, I'll never forget, we got in the house, we looked at each other, and we have him. He's still in the car seat. We looked at each other, now what? Now what? Well, I can remember at that time, us talking that, you know, as a father, I want to be a representative of God the Father to this young man, this son, and to all of our children. I want to truly represent the heart of God as an earthly father so that they can come to know the heavenly father and relate to him as they do their earthly father. And, and so, and, and I tell you, that is a parallel in my own life because there was something about my relationship with my dad I never, ever, ever wanted to disappoint him. I don't know about you, David. You had, this is my brother David here. Um, you know, <laughs> I can pick on my family, right? <laughs> he just gave me a look at it. Okay, maybe I better not go there. Um, but I, I can remember, um, uh, I never wanted to disappoint him. I never, I always wanted to please my dad. I always wanted to hear him say, good job, son. Well done, son. And, and so now that in my relationship to God has converted over because I never want to disappoint my heavenly father. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I want to please him with everything that's in me. I want to be found pleasing in his sight. And so whatever it takes, and I can remember, you know, with, with my dad, and, and, and he's not here this morning. He could if he would, he would be here if we could. But um, um, he's 90 years old now but he's the most loving, kind person. And I look at him and I, I think, Lord, how you use that man in my life to help me develop a good concept of who you are. Okay, so, and that's what I want to do for my children. And I hope I've succeeded in that. Because right, now we got a 15-year-old, the rest are out of the home, you know. And, uh, but sometimes they come and roost a little bit. That's always good. All right, uh, a, a wonderful verse that really relates to this we see in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. And from the English Standard Version, it says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So this addressing two elements of the Godhead, God the Father and God the Son. But now I, I just hold this place here, and I want to read this from the voice translation because we, we know that, uh, okay, let's, let me read it from the voice. First Corinthians 8, 6. For us there is one God, the Father who is the ultimate source of all things and the goal of our lives. And there is one Lord, Jesus, the anointed, the liberating king. Through him, all things we are created, and by him, we are redeemed. So notice the, the, the phrase here, the ultimate source of all things. I believe that's a great description of the Father God. The ultimate source of all things. The one that we can look to when we have need, when we have lack, when we have deficiency in our lives. He's the ultimate source of all things. How amazing is God the Father? Creator of heaven and earth and all that is. 
and even you because he made you. You are a product of, of his creation. You know, you might say, oh, that was mom and dad's deal. No, without God, mom and dad couldn't do it without him, okay? So you wouldn't be here without God, okay? Uh, now, it's one thing to know that God is awesome. It's another thing to experience how, how awesome he is. And that's my desire uh, when people come to refuge and as we gather together in these gatherings, that they discover and experience the awesomeness of God, that God is truly awesome. Psalms 47, 2 says, for the Lord most high is awesome. You know, even back then they talked that way. I mean, you know, awesome, oh, that's awesome, oh, that's awesome. Where do you think that came from? The Bible. <laughs> I don't know. For the Lord most high is awesome. Let's say it together, awesome, yeah. He is a great king over all the earth. Wow. Now we see it in Jude 1, verse 1, and I like how the writers of the epistles, they began their books by acknowledging God the Father. Very often we see this. We see this here uh, in Jude 1, verse 1. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. That phrase, beloved in God the Father. We're, we're his beloved. Uh, that, that's pretty awesome. What is a father? I believe a father is a protector, provider. He's also a disciplinarian, and we don't necessarily like that part of, of the father, but yet it's for our own good, and it's because he loves us, he disciplines us, he doesn't just leave us to rot somewhere, but he deals with us when we need to be dealt with, See, I, I, as a parent, if you don't discipline your child, it, the scripture actually equates it as hating them. You don't really love your child if, if you f hold back discipline in their lives. And, and discipline is not always pleasant, but yet it's helpful for us to grow and, and, and to discover uh, what our calling and purpose is in life. Uh, so what are three things, and, and we need to share these three things with you, what are three things we can say about the Heavenly Father? Now, there are three God phrases in the New Testament that we see God is light, God is spirit, and God is love. And so I'm, I'm going to break these down to cover these three things that we can say about God. Number one, God is light. He is a good Father and full of light. See, this speaks of truth. When, when, we, when, when light shows up, it's, it's equated to truth. Uh, and so it's important to understand that God lights up darkness. He, when his truth comes, illumination comes, okay? Uh, James 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In other words, the scripture here said, he's a good giver of good gifts. God is good. See, some people don't think God is good. But God is a good God. And some of you say, all the time. Okay, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. We've heard that many places. That's kind of a Christian cliche, you know. But yet it's true. God is good. We, we can't dispute that. 
And, and some people that try to paint another picture of God, but he's a good God. And, and notice in James 1.17, he doesn't change. There's, there's no shifting of the shadow. Now, if, you, if the sun is shining throughout the day as it goes through the sky, as the earth rotates, because the, the sun isn't moving, the earth is, right? Um, realize that the shadow is constantly changing through the course of the day. But God doesn't change. His shadow doesn't shift. He doesn't change from being good at one moment and being bad at another. He's always good, okay? And 1 John 1, 5 we see a message, a, a, a verse addressing the fact that he's light. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So when we understand the character and the quality about God, he's light. And John 1.5 says the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome it. Now there's an amazing fact I want to share with you. Science tells us that light is constituted of three primary rays, okay? Uh, those groups of wavelengths. Uh, and they're clearly distinct from each other. Uh, none of them without the others could be light. The three different types of rays need to be together for it to actually be light. So each ray has its own separate function. Uh, the first ray originates the second illuminates, and the third consummates, okay? The first ray often is called invisible light. It's neither seen nor felt. It's the ultraviolet light that, that we can't necessarily see, okay? It's not visible to the naked eye. And then uh, the, the second is both seen and felt. Uh, so, you know, and then the third is not seen, but it's felt as heat because you can feel the heat of the sun. Have you ever been out laying on a beach? Some of you wish you were, right? And that sun just starts beaming down, the clouds part, and you just immediately, once the clouds part, you feel the heat of that sun. Now, the light of that sun was still shining, but the cloud prevented you from feeling its heat. But that's one aspect of 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 light is heat, okay? And the other is the, the physical light and the other is the ultraviolet or the unseen. So those three make up light. Now, like light, our one God is revealed in three distinct persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. First John 5, 7, it's a very key and important passage in the New King James Version reads this way, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Wow. If, if that doesn't describe a trinity or the triune God, I don't know what else, but that's a great passage to really give consideration to. You ready for number two? Number two, what can we say about God the Father? God is real. He's real. Yet the Bible declares that God is spirit. Even though he's real, we may not be able to see him, okay? So this speaks of his essence. So God is real, yet the Bible declares that God is spirit. This speaks of his essence. Even though we don't see him, we can know that he exists. In fact, we were created to worship him. We were created to worship him. 
And, and, and there's a lot of times people say, well, what is God? He has this eagle chip. He wants us to worship him. No, he created us to worship him. So we acknowledge him through worship. That's how we connect with him through worship. That's how we're joined to him. It's through worship. Uh, God is all-powerful because, um, oh, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a verse of scripture here first before we go there. John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It's a must. Because God is spirit, we need to worship in spirit and truth. In other words, God wants you to get on the same level of him when it comes to worship. And he's given us that invitation. We acknowledge him through worship. And we need to understand that God is all-powerful. Because he is all-powerful, he can help you with anything, with whatever you're going through. See, he wants to act on your behalf. He has proved that. In Jeremiah 32, 17, the scripture says, O Lord God, it is you that have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. If he is able to create all this, then nothing's too difficult for him to fix if it's broken in your life, okay? Now, God is present everywhere. In fact, it's you that have made... Actually... I was getting ahead of myself again. <laughs> God is present everywhere because God is present everywhere. That means he's always with us. He'll never leave nor forsake us. In Matthew 28, verse 20, he says, I will be with you always. See, God gives us a constant awareness of his presence. In fact, uh, he doesn't want you to tune him out. And so often we're doing that. God is all-knowing. He is holy. He is absolute truth. He is righteous. He is just. In my Bible reading this morning, I came across this scripture in Psalms 145, verse 1 through 3. It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol, extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Wow, so this is, means we need to be in this constant state of worship, this constant state of praise. Praise needs to be a lifestyle. And when we praise him and acknowledge him, that's when his presence manifests in our life. Number three, he is a loving father. He is a loving father. He is love. See, this speaks of his passion. See, Jesus came to reveal the Father's love to us because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to show us what the Father is like. His love is displayed in his mercy, the fact that he offered forgiveness of sins. 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. If, if, if you know God, then, then you will love because you'll have his nature to love because you know him. It's so important that we know him. God is love because he's love. <laughs> he's just love. He is unconditionally committed to my well-being and yours too. He's merciful, he's faithful, he, and he never changes, as we saw. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, consider, this is from the voice, consider the kind of extravagant love the Father has lavished on us. 
He calls us children of God. It's true, we are his beloved children. And in the same way the world didn't recognize him, the world does not recognize us either. So we see here a, a differentiation or a difference between those that are in the world and those that are in relationship with God. For those that are in relationship with God, they are those that experience his extravagant love. And yet those that are in the world can experience his extravagant love if they open up their heart to him. See, love is not superficial, it's supernatural. In fact, walking in love is supernatural because that's what God has called us to do. Because if you live your life and you're a mean-spirited person and you don't show love, you don't express love, you don't you know, let other people, I mean, if you don't love, then you really don't know God. You don't really have a connection with him like you need to and like you can have. At this time, I, I want to um, give an opportunity for you here to really connect to the Father God. See, one of the core values for us at Refuge is that we are in awe of the one true God. And so I want you to consider for a moment the phrase, the one true God, the one true God. We live in a society where there are many false gods. How do you know the one true God? You can only know the one true God if you know Jesus, because Jesus came to show us the Father. In 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Yes, there's one God. And Jesus is the mediator because he is God who manifests himself as a human being. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about the Son in a couple of weeks, or I mean, actually next week. So for us to understand the relationship between God, the Father and God, the Son, and how they are one. But he gave himself a ransom for all. In John 17, 3, Jesus is speaking, and he said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So it's knowing him. It's knowing Jesus. It's knowing the Father. You might say, but how can I know God? How can I know this unseen being out there? How can I have a revelation and an understanding of who he is? Well, because he reveals himself by his spirit. You can know God. And see, that's why sometimes in the world it's hard for them to comprehend, especially if you say, yeah, God talks to me. You might say, oh, then you're crazy. Because uh, if you think you're hearing God talk to you, then uh, you're kind of messed up. But the fact and the reality is that God does speak to his people. He speaks to his creation. And he's speaking to you and wants to speak to you. Maybe you haven't been listening. Maybe you haven't been giving an ear. But he's speaking. And he's speaking even now in this place. In 1 John 5.20, we want to close with this particular verse. It says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God 
and eternal life. So Jesus Christ is the true God. And so he really came to reveal the Father to us so that we could know him through the Son. I want you to stand up together this morning and, and what we're going to do is uh, give an invitation for maybe those of you that may not have made a personal commitment of your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you can't say with 100% assurance, I know God the Father. I know God as my Father. If that's not personal to you, if that's not something you can relate to, then maybe you don't have that kind of relationship that you need to have with Him. Jesus made a statement. He said, I am the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I want you to ask yourself this question. Now, this might be a question you might say, well, um, what does it matter? It does matter. The question is, if I were to die today, do I know with 100% assurance that I'd be with Jesus, that I'd go to heaven? Or is there a concern? Is there an uncertainty in my life where I would end up? Do I know without a doubt that I would be in God's presence, that I have and possess the gift of eternal life? If there's a question, if there's a doubt, my appeal to you this morning is to give God an opportunity to reveal himself to you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is right with God, but I want it to be right with God. Then I want you just to slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I want my life to be right with God. Maybe you're dealing with sin, you're guilt, dealing with guilt and some other issues. Okay, I see that hand. Others this morning, if you lift your hand, in a moment we're going to pray. And I believe God's going to meet you because the condition of your life really matters to God. It really does. Will you end up in eternity really matters to God. But yet, there's a point where we choose because God's given us a free will. We must choose Him. We must choose to accept Jesus for who He is. We must choose to believe that God the Father is real. He exists and He manifested Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. You might say, but he died 2,000 years ago. How does that relate to me today? Well, his death took care of the issue of sin that plagued humanity from the very beginning. And it's the answer and the solution to bring redemption, healing to all of humanity. And so Jesus, although he lived 2,000 years ago, he's alive today because he's raised from the dead. And he's here to give new life to all who believe and put their faith and trust in Him. I'm going to pray this prayer with you, and I want everybody to pray this prayer. And this is simply a prayer that expresses your trust, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, putting your faith in Him. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you today in the name of Jesus. I believe that you exist. I believe that you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I believe that you have a plan for my life. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins and to be raised from the dead to give me new life. 
Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.